Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Friday, August 9th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Uber's losses cracked the $5 billion mark. Italy's prime minister promises to hold a vote of confidence. And on Thursday, Wall Street notched its biggest jump in two months after upbeat Chinese trade data put investors at ease. Plus, the FT's M&A correspondent, Eric Platt, explains the revamp WeWork is undertaking ahead of its IPO and who stands to benefit from the plans. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Uber's second quarter results disappointed investors yesterday. The ride-hailing company's net losses grew to $5.2 billion in the period. That's up from $878 million a year ago. Revenue for Uber rose to $3.2 billion, but missed analysts' expectations of $3.4 billion. During the quarter, Uber doled out $3.9 billion in stock-based compensation expenses related to its May IPO. And revenue was hit by a nearly $300 million award given to drivers in connection with the listing. But Chief Executive Dara Khosrowshahi said the company was benefiting from a, quote, competitive environment that is starting to rationalize. Basically, the price wars that have kept Uber and its rivals in the red have started to ease. Shares in Uber dropped as much as 13% to $37.39 in after-hours trading before rebounding a bit, but it's well below Uber's listing price of $45 a piece. Italy's Prime Minister, Giuseppe Conte, has called for Parliament to be recalled so he can hold a vote of confidence. The country's ruling populist coalition is on the verge of collapse after far-right interior minister Matteo Salvini called for the vote and new elections. It has plunged the Eurozone's third-largest economy into political turmoil. The coalition leaders entered crisis talks yesterday after the Five Star Party voted against a motion on a trans-Alpine rail link with France. Five Star is the coalition partner of Mr. Salvini's League Party. The government has been divided in recent weeks over proposed tax cuts, greater regional autonomy, and a decision by Five Star to back Ursula von der Leyen for president of the European Commission. The League released a statement on Thursday saying the new elections were, quote, the only alternative to this government. On Thursday, U.S. stocks made their biggest jump in two months, and investors got out of the safe haven assets they have been pouring into for most of the week. This came after new data from China showed exports unexpectedly ticked up in July, which put investors at ease. Rising trade tensions between the U.S. and China have heightened concerns among investors about global growth. Yesterday, the S&P 500 finished the day 1.9% higher, the Nasdaq Composite was up 2.2%, and the Dow Jones added 1.4%. Oil also clawed back some of its recent losses. Brent crude was up 2.6% to $57.75 a barrel. And as investors piled back into stocks, they retreated from the safety of government bonds, pushing yields back up. And in other news, Broadcom has agreed to buy Symantec's enterprise security business for $10.7 billion in cash. The transaction includes the Symantec name and is expected to close before the end of the calendar year if it passes regulatory approval. Kraft Heinz has taken another $1.2 billion worth of write-downs. 
and it said there's a risk of more to come. Shares in Kraft Heinz closed 8.6% lower on Thursday. It brought the sell-off this year to 34% after it disclosed the latest hit to its balance sheet. New chief executive Miguel Patricio said he was planning a, quote, comprehensive review of Kraft Heinz that could include selling some brands. Boris Johnson is eyeing a general election in the days after Brexit on October 31st. Senior aides to the prime minister said that Mr. Johnson would do this if a no-confidence vote forces him to go to the polls. Mr. Johnson says he doesn't want to hold an election before Brexit, but his advisers expect him to face a confidence vote soon after Parliament returns from summer break. And sources tell the FT that at least nine senior figures have been removed from their posts at Turkey Central Bank, including the chief economist. This comes just weeks after President Recep Tayyip Erdogan sacked the bank's governor over a dispute on the pace and depth of interest rate cuts. And here's a closer look at a story we're following. Since its founding nearly a decade ago, WeWork has raised questions from investors and realtors alike. Like, will its business model stand up during an economic downturn? Or will they be able to keep up a valuation of almost $50 billion, thanks to backing from SoftBank? And even more plainly, is it a tech company or a property company? Meanwhile, WeWork's co-founder, Adam Newman, has drawn scrutiny of his own. He recently sold some of his shares and took out loans against his shares to the tune of $700 million. Now, WeWork is looking to go public, maybe as early as September. The FT's Eric Platt explains why the structure WeWork is using to prepare for its IPO is turning some heads. Over the past few weeks, my colleagues um, James Fontenelle-Khan and Miles Krupa and I have been working to put together just a story on how WeWork is preparing itself for its IPO and the structure it's using as it's readying for the initial public offering. You know, it's, it really was something that we saw in the private equity world that is moving more and more into the mainstream, but it hasn't really become market standard. And they're creating a company or reincorporating themselves under what's called an umbrella partnership corporation, which basically puts a publicly traded holding company over the actual business that is WeWork and all of its other offshoots. And in doing that, they give tax benefits to the early investors, which are not shared with the new investors in the IPO. Why would they do something like this? Typically, the structure includes what's called a tax receivable agreement, which can be really lucrative to the investors in that underlying business, right? Think of it as um, almost like a shell company, which only has a stake in the WeWork LLC, the limited liability company right below it. And that LLC will split its profits between the publicly traded holding company and then the original investors that backed it at first, right? That's Adam Newman, likely groups like SoftBank and JP Morgan, although at this point we don't actually know where those investors will fall within the structure. Why does this matter more largely in terms of how the company is perceived and its IPO going forward? When the investors I've talked to since the story has come out, the view has been that they're moving to really take advantage of as much as they can before this company goes public. And they're trying to position themselves you know, for as much financial gain as they can. This structure, I should say, also gives WeWork the ability, at least some of our sources say, to better raise financing for its different units. But that said, it really positions them for a financial gain that they wouldn't get otherwise if they were just you know, using a traditional IPO structure where you just own shares in the business. 
Um, and I should say this is all separate to the dual share class system they already have, you know, gives extra voting rights to Adam Newman already. So he already has pretty much control of the board uh, of the company. What should we be looking for going forward, if anything? I think we'll we'll wait to see if there's any market reaction to this. If this continues the trend of, you know, investors willing to buy shares in companies that use the structure, I think we see it move more into the mainstream. This would be the largest upsea IPO if it is, you know, completed because they're looking to raise more than $3 billion. And I think the biggest in the past was about a billion or a billion and a half. So I think this would move it more into the mainstream. And I should say, like, more than 70 companies have done this, groups like Shake Shack and TradeWeb and GoDaddy. And what's interesting is, like, during our reporting process of this, many investors we spoke to really didn't realize they were investing in an upsea, right? It's not something that's called out to them when they're investing in a company like Shake Shack. And that, to me, as a reporter, was fascinating because, right, that's kind of core to me if I'm investing in Shake Shack. I want to know, do my shares own a stake in the business or am I holding something else? Is there someone who can come in who has control elsewhere in the company and kind of dictate policy? Um, lawyers and bankers in these transactions and even you know institutional investors note that this is all disclosed to shareholders in the prospectus before they buy. So the risks are you know made clear and if they have any issue, then don't buy in the IPO. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Amy Keene and me, Mark Filipino. Our intern is Eileen Rodriguez. Our editor is Amelia Mahasik. We also got help this week from Gavin Coleman and Michael Bruning. This is Lila Raptopoulos. I'm the co-host of a new podcast from the Financial Times called Culture Call. From the 13th of August, we're going to be dropping into your podcast feeds every other Tuesday, bringing you encounters with those who are shifting culture around the world. We'll have lively discussions on how the social changes we're seeing are depicted in books, art, music, on screen, and online. And we'll give you a glimpse behind the scenes of the best of the FT's life and arts journalism. You can find the podcast in all the usual places, like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Acast, when Culture Call drops on Tuesday, August 13th. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.